Welcome to Solid Conversations with your girl, Lady T. I am here and I am welcoming back. This is our new season. This is a new time. And I am really looking forward to all of the new things that we're going to talk about this new season. So right now, this evening, we're going to talk about finances. And one of the things that I've been looking at, you know, during this pandemic, during everything that's going on, we have been allotted some money. And people have been doing what they want to do with their money and things of that nature. And so here today, I'm just going to have a conversation with someone, um, with my guest, um, who has been able to kind of take finances and make a good thing out of it. Um, Not everybody has always had the opportunity to um, have that financial education or have that financial backing. And it's kind of like, sometimes we find ourselves in situations where we may not know how to get out of. And so here it is this evening, we're going to be talking with April McLeod and April's going to talk to us about a little bit of finances and, you know, how finances is affected her growing up. You know, we're going to start from the beginning and we're going to go all the way up until how, finances her finances is important to her at this point in time so right now we just want to welcome april and we want to thank her for joining us today um to talk about finances so hey april how are you i'm well how are you i'm good so one of the things that we um that you know we we talk about is finances and so you know a lot of times within the african-american community we really don't get finances is not the educational piece in which we talk about in our homes with our children back in the day, because we're not, we're not spring chickens. So, you know, it's just kind of like, not everybody had that, um, those parents who, you know, was set us up for success in financial, you know, in the financial market. And so one of the things that, um, my first question to you is what was your financial, um, his, like, what's your financial history? Was that something that you talked with about with your parents or did your parents, you know, set you up on a, uh, a good financial journey at this point in time? Well, I would say, I guess when I first started working, when I was 14, I just, I'm working for this money. So I want to do something good with this money. And I just, from a very early age, just had a a good grasp on finances and saving and saving up for things and disciplining myself to, you know, look at the bigger picture rather than immediate gratification. Um, I guess I don't think finances is something that we really discuss much in our household. You know, my mom and dad work both full time, took care of the family. Um, and once I started work and I just wanted to make sure that I could, you know, hold some things down for myself to kind of, you know, relieve that burden from them. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, alrighty. So then that wasn't the conversation that your parents, like, it's just like, you know, some people, like I see today that some people set their children up for, um, you know, financial savings. They say, you know, if you're going to work, you know, you have to put 
20% of your, um, whatever you earn, mm-hmm. whether weekly, bi-weekly or whatever it is, um, put, set it aside and save that money, you know, for a rainy day. You have to always keep something in savings. And um, parents, I think, I think back in the day, I, I didn't grow up in a home where, you know, um, financial uh, exploration or financial literacy was anything that I was given. It was just, you, you, you're out here, you get a paycheck, you do what you want to do with it. And I think that mm-hmm. one of the things that kind of get lost in that financial, lit- that um, unhealthy financial lit- literacy is, you know, as you get older, that stuff comes back to haunt you sometimes, especially if you don't have one of the words you said was discipline or, you know, you're constantly, mm-hmm. you know, you're you're appeasing that immediate gratification and that's always a pitfall for people so Mm -hmm. how in how in the world did you develop that discipline because if it's not taught to you young trust and believe that was a hard pill for me even myself without having that immediate financial literacy as a young person Mm -hmm. when I became an adult Mm -hmm. it was just kind of like boom dropped me into a world of oh my gosh you're giving me money I can do whatever I want with it I'm getting credit (laughs) cards I'm running them up I'm maxing them out not paying them off and then (laughs) it's just kind of like what yeah this I can't get I can't get no more I can't get no be why And it's just kind of like, if you do not have that structural foundation of financial literacy, it Mm -hmm. is a struggle to recruit those knowledge, that knowledge. It is really a struggle to recruit that knowledge. So help me to understand, how did your journey go? I, I really can't say what led me to start, you know, having the discipline. Mm-hmm. I didn't take any classes that had anything to do with finances until mm-hmm. college. Mm-hmm. I took a class called personal money management. Mm-hmm. And um, I learned a lot of things in that class. And I remember during the class and after the class, I said, man, this is a class that would benefit every single adult. You know, I feel like it's a class that you should have to take to graduate high school because it teaches you so much about every day. Um, finances that you don't learn and I took it as an elective I didn't have to take the class and I'm glad that I did but prior to that I really just can't say what led me to you know start exercising discipline but I'm glad that I did at an early age and I think that it's made a big difference in my life doing so because I've you know seen others who don't have any financial discipline and oh the you know, the trouble that they can get into financially. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I didn't want to end up like that. Okay. So, you know. so, so during your journey, on your journey, you know, with you not having the basis that, that bottom, that structure, that foundation, um, did in your journey, did you run into any pitfalls? Because sometimes, you know, it's just kind of like, sometimes we can get it late. We can get it early. You know, but mm-hmm. it's just kind of like it's always those live and learn type lessons that we end up having to to do. So mm-hmm. if you're willing to share your your financial story was did you make all did you always make good decisions? Um, I'm going to say I, pretty much, uh-huh. <laughs> um, I, you know, 
there was times that I was not making that much money mm-hmm. and I had to live like check to check. Things were really tight. Mm-hmm. And I mean, once I would take care of my bills, there wasn't much left over. And, you know, it was just extremely difficult. And I did, I just knew that it wasn't something that I wanted to continue. But I won't say that I've made bad financial decisions to where I put myself in a bind where I couldn't take care of something that I needed to. Mm-hmm. Um, I made, I've made a lot of impulse purchases and buys and things. But I only do so, you know, I've only done so when I knew that I could afford to. Mm. So, so then I'm, I'm okay. So I'm gonna so 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 I'm the win person. I'm the off, off, off a muscle. It's just like sometimes I think that even in my financial journey, um, the struggles of understanding or your relation to um, your credit mm-hmm. income, uh, credit mm-hmm. to income ratio, uh, debt to income ratio. And yeah. it's just kind of like, these are some words, budgeting, budgeting, budgeting. That was the, that was the kiss of death. Like, I don't nobody need a budget. Yeah. Nobody need this. Don't nobody need that. And so that has <laughs> always seemed to like, that seems to always be the, the thing that people struggle with a lot of times, um, especially trying to, because now we're, now we're in a place where, you know, it's just like you talk about poverty and people living in poverty and, you know, I think that this pandemic has afforded a lot of people who are in poverty, a lot of, a lot of loose change. And it's just kind of like, what have you done with your loose change, you know, to, you know, set yourself up to a place where you can move forward or set yourself up into a place where you can, you know, um, be financially set for you and your children, because, you know, I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm a mother first of four. And it's just kind of like during times when it was hard, it was just kind of like, it was always a struggle, you know, trying to live on a very small paycheck to kind of then spread very thin. And I think that that was always something that was very difficult. You go ahead, share, share about your kind of financial struggles and ups and downs and things of that nature. Well, I mean, one thing I can tell you, like you mentioned budgeting. Mm -hmm. One thing I started doing was budgeting very early. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know how early it was. I know that I was in my first apartment and I moved out. I got my first apartment when I was 19. And I, you know, had a car note, had, you know, other bills, Mm -hmm. a couple credit cards, things like that. And I would sit down with my calendar and I would write down my you know, financial responsibilities. And I would do like two, three months at a time just to make sure that, you know, these things would be taken care of. And honestly, like a lot of times I would look back after mm-hmm. a certain period, time period had passed and I would look back and I'm like, I don't know how I paid all those bills because my check didn't seem to add up <laughs> to the amount of bills that I paid. And, you know, I mean, I know that was literally just, grace and Mm -hmm. you know um but i was i was very disciplined in it Mm -hmm. um and i always made sure that i got everything that i knew that i had to take care of on the calendar Mm -hmm. everything goes on the calendar Mm -hmm. by the due date 
um, so that I could sometimes have to work backwards to see how many checks was I going to have to go through to get this rent paid or how many checks was I going to have to go through to get this car note paid to make sure that they were paid on time, mm. you know? And so I just, I lived by a budget. Mm-hmm. I lived by a budget, you know, and before somebody would say, Hey, you want to go out to dinner on Friday? I'd be like, let me look at my calendar. Cause I have to look and see what bills I have to take care of. And I've already done the calculations. So I didn't know what, what on that week, what I have left over. Mm-hmm. And if we can go to dinner, you know, um, so it's just something that I've, I've, I've stuck to for a very long time. Years I've been budgeting. Mm-hmm. I was a teenager. Um, and in more recent years, within um, what the last five years or so, I've changed my budgeting to not just include two, three, four months, but I now budget for about 14 months at a time. So Whoa, 14 months at a time. That means... <laughs> that means when I get my calendar for the next year, usually sometime in uh, November, mm-hmm. usually it has the first, it has the last two months of the prior year and the first two months of the next year. Mm-hmm. So like this November, when I get the calendar for 2022, it'll have November, December of 21. And then it'll also have January, February of 23. Mm-hmm. So I do all those months because you know when your rent is due or your mortgage is due Mm -hmm. and it's due on the same date every month. Mm -hmm. Put it for all 14 months. Mm -hmm. You know when your car note is due, you know when your car insurance is due, you know how much gas you go through, you know what you budget for groceries, you know if you have credit cards, when they're due, Mm -hmm. student loans, whatever bills you have, you know the ones that are coming every single month. Mm -hmm. If you own a house and you have a water bill and it comes once a quarter, put those couple things on there. And you know, from past bills, approximately what it's going to cost. And those are things that you can get on the, on your calendar and budget for. And you also know how much money you make. Mm. So, and you know what you bring home, do the math, do the math. Um, but going a little further, I put down the kids' birthdays, parents' birthdays, Christmas, um, Godchildren, you know, so when everybody's birthday comes, when Christmas comes, or special occasions, I don't have to be like, oh, how am I going to get something for them? It's already budgeted. It's already budgeted. Whoa. And um, I, and I know that takes some, that's going to take some time for some people to do, but I'll tell you the reason what made me do it. I didn't just come up with this great idea. <laughs> um. My oldest daughter was in uh, high school, Indigo. She was a junior at that time and she was getting ready to go into her senior year. She was at uh, Rockport High School and they have a program, 311. You do three years of just straight high school, one year of combined high school college, and then when you go to college, you only have to do three more years of college, so 311. And so the tuition, for her to participate in that program was about four, between four and $5,000. There's no scholarships or anything for it. I had paid out of pocket cash. And so before I could give an answer to the counselor to ask her whether or not I'd be able to afford it, I said, I'll get back to you in about a week 
and I had to go get that calendar and I had to sit down and do the work mm -hmm. and determine whether or not I'm going to have that extra four or $5,000 um, in my yearly salary to pay for it. Cause I know some people just pay for it and say, I'm going to make a way. Well, my check is my check. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't want to just uh, obligate myself to something financially that I can't follow through with. So I did the budgeting for the next year and determined, hey, I've got the money to pay for this um, this tuition. That's an extra four or $5,000, which also told me that I have an extra four or $5,000 in my check that I'm just spending, you know, throughout the year. So I did it for that school year, for her senior year. And then after that, I said, oh, this four or $5,000, I'm gonna do something with. So I started, you know, working on building up my savings and I started working on trying to travel more, things like that. So um, it took a while. And then, ever, you know, ever since that year going forward, that's that's the only way I do my budget. Any, if I leave my house, for the most part, you're going to see me with my calendar. It's going to be in the car. I try to have it with me at all times because somebody could ask me right now about something next, you know, two months from now. And I can go through that week and look and let you know financially if I can do it or not. So, Whoa. Not so you just said a whole a lot because <laughs> like you, like that is the obligations, knowing that you, um, before you obligate yourself to something and knowing if that is something that you can mm -hmm. handle. And it's just kind of like, sometimes that is a struggle. Like, because people sometimes, I think we're not, sometimes yeah. we're not financially, we're not honest with ourselves of whether or not that is something mm -hmm. that we can do and being able to say no, because just like you said, that's something for your daughter. And it's just like, if you want your daughter to be successful, you know, I'm going to just do whatever it is that I have mm -hmm. to do to make that happen. And sometimes mm -hmm. that may not be possible. And being able to make that strong determination of saying no or yes to something, mm -hmm. especially when it may not be possible. And I think that that kind mm -hmm. of puts us in the red and we really didn't mm -hmm. need to put ourselves there. And right. I think it's just kind of like finances is such a... Um, a touchy subject or a sticky subject because, you know, if we're really being honest with ourselves, are we able to afford some of the things in which we take on and being mm -hmm. able to make that determination ahead of time, knowing yeah. that it's not affordable in our budget, especially, right. especially when it's a, um, a, a needed thing like housing, transportation, yeah. Like, I think for me personally, um, I have a job where I have to have a car. I can't, it's not like it's a job that I could use public transportation because I've got to maneuver between people's houses on a regular mm -hmm. basis. And it's just kind of like, that's not something that I'll be able to do on a bus route. So what is it that I do to kind of, I had to make a determination that I really did need a vehicle. It was nothing else that I could do. There was nothing else that I, I couldn't say no to that because for me to get the income that I need to do what it is that going forward, it's just kind of like, mm -hmm. you have to kind of put yourself in that position. And I know that sometimes in those hasty mm -hmm. needs, sometimes we make decisions or choices that um, we really can't afford. 
such as that large car payment. Yeah. One of those large car payments, like those mm-hmm. buy here, pay here type places. Though that's like a, a downward spiral of not helpful for you. Like, even though it says, oh, we'll help you build your credit, we'll help you do this, but you're at what is considered to be a 26% interest rate, 26, 26.99% interest rate to be exact, which is 27. And every dollar that you have on that car, whether or not it could be as little as $5,000 now has turned into a uh, kind of $15,000 car payment where you yeah, only because you really... finance it for what three to five years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. And so now that's $15,000 that where the car was only valued at five within a couple yeah. years, it's not going to be of um, any good to you because you're going to need another vehicle. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, it's just kind of like, those, those are some of the things that, you know, and sometimes that does work for some people and sometimes it isn't, mm-hmm. but we have to be really aware and conscious of yeah. the decisions and choices we make with our finances um, mm-hmm. as far as that is mm-hmm. concerned. Yeah. And um, speaking on that specific scenario, sometimes people are in a position where that's the only choice Yeah. because their credit is that messed up. So mm-hmm. that's their only option to get a vehicle. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if it happens to be your only option, I would say, do what you have to do this time. And while you're doing it, work on making sure that all your other bills are paid, they're on time. Um, and you're building that finance, that financial credit, um, building your score up, raising it. So that the next time you go buy a car, you don't have to go to a buy your pay your place. You can go to an actual dealer and get a lower interest rate so that you don't have to be in that position again. So, I mean, I'm not saying, well, just take the bus until you can afford more. You know, you have to do what you have to do. Um, But constantly being conscious of this car is not going to last me forever. I'm going to need another car at some point. Um, And just taking those steps that you can to build your financial credit in the meantime, because I mean, you, when your credit is really good, you get down to what 0.9% interest rate and you're barely paying, you know, more than what you paid for the car off the lot. And it saves you so much money in the end, but you just have to constantly be working on your credit and being conscious of that with no matter how small, you know, um, the pain it may be, oh, well, that's just my, you know, uh, $200 card that I have at this, you know, clothing store. Mm-hmm. Payment is only, you know, $12 a month. I can pay that later. It's still part of your financial history, mm-hmm. you know, so you have to still make sure that everything is timely. And that is, and that is, that, that that's a good segue into credit because, one of the things that I love, I love those questions when they ask you about, okay, so which one would you choose? A million dollars, a good credit score, mm-hmm. or a house paid off? Mm-hmm. Everybody, all, like most of the time you see people choose either the, um, ten, the million dollars or they the house that's already paid off. But it's very mm-hmm. rare that you, you find people who want to choose the good credit score. And 
I personally did not understand that until I understood my credit and how your mm-hmm. credit works for you. Because I can have a million dollars and still have a horrible credit score and my money not mean a thing. And I think that that's the misconception that people have. Oh, I got money. I got money. I got money. Yeah, you can have money. But if your credit Mm -hmm. score does not match your money, then your money is not even as good because your credit score does not match it. Credit is the most that is the most lucrative thing that you could ever have is, and I Mm -hmm. did not know this until later in life as I'm Mm -hmm. trying to understand and clean up my own credit, but that your credit is not, is more valuable to you than anything. You, Mm -hmm. you can have, I could have $15 in the bank, but if Mm -hmm. my credit score is 720, I might like, I got $15,000 in the bank because my credit has afforded me something that I did not have. Right. And it's not my yeah. money. It's somebody else's money. So I can now use somebody else's money to get what it mm-hmm. is that I still need. And right. we have to, I think that um, as people of color, we need to understand how that works. Like people think it's just about the yeah. money. It's not always about the money. Yeah. It's always, it's about that. People don't understand that your credit, your, right, your credit, or your credit worthiness mm. is equivalent to your trustworthiness. Trust. That's what it is. That's right. Because when they look at a credit score, say you have a 400 credit, I can't trust you. Mm-mm, nope. You don't pay your bills. You don't pay them on time. I don't trust you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Um, like my, my last car that I bought, when I got to the dealer, and, and you treat it differently based on your credit score. You really are. Mm. Um. My last car that I bought, I I saw the car online. I emailed the rep. He responded back and I said, I want to come and take a look at this car tomorrow. And he said, um, he said, uh, oh, well, you know, I'm off tomorrow. I said, well, I want to come see the car tomorrow. I said, if I have to wait till Monday, because it was like a Friday and I wanted to see it on Saturday. I said, by Monday, I will have bought another car. So he said, okay, well, you know, I'm going to come in and, and, and I'll show you the car. And they you know, they check you with your credit and how, you know, what your score is. And it said, you know, if your credit score is over 700, we can do this extra thing. And I said, well, yeah, it is. Um, and it's like, the, you know, they immediately, they, they, they just trusted me. They gave me the keys to the car. They didn't come with me for the test drive. And I said, well, when do I have to bring it back? He said, take your time. I got the car a couple hours. I drove around. <laughs> I did. I drove around. I picked up my, my daughter. I went and visited my brother. I, you know, they, and they didn't care. They didn't care. Her credit score is a seven such. She's responsible. She's going to bring the car back. They didn't care. They, mm. you know what I'm saying? It, it, that credit score is, it, it equivalents to your level of trust mm. and what, the, what, how much they trust you. So mm. it is very important. Wow. Equivalates to the level of trust. And I think that it's just kind of like, have we, have we gotten as a society, have we gotten away from being able to trust people and being able to trust each other? And is it, is that important? Is that important? It, it, your trust is everything. I think it's everything. Is, is, is your word like that, 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 that used to be like, um, you know, old school people tell you like, um, my name means everything to me. Like if you, you don't, don't tarnish my name, don't tarnish my um, 
you know, how people, you know, what you think about me, because that, that carries more weight than gold. And, you know, you always hear the old people say, you know, I should be able to trust you. I got to be able to trust you because if I can trust you, you know, you can get whatever you want if I can trust you. And so it's just kind of like, Mm -hmm. wow, that's what that means. Like my, me having a 700 or plus credit score will afford Mm -hmm. me to be trusted by many people. Yeah. Whoa. I mean, when you're meeting somebody that you don't know, you don't know, you don't know this person, you don't know anything about them. The only thing that you can do to see who they are from the based on their past is to look at their credit. So you look at their credit, and that right there will tell you whether or not you should be able to trust them. Mm. It's the only thing you have to go by. Mm. You can't go by somebody's word because you don't know the person. That's right. You have two people sitting here, they both you know, come to you, you don't know either one of them. Doesn't matter how they're dressed. Doesn't matter, you know, what they say. I didn't know about your past. When you run that credit and you see, well, this person has a 400 and this person has a 750. I'm gonna go with this person over here with 750 because they look like they say, they do what they say they're gonna do. And this mm. person over here, they still working on it. They need some work. So I'm not, I'm not sending you anywhere with anything of mine because I don't know you and not, I don't really have any reason to trust you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that the sometimes the misconception or even, you know, it's just kind of like I think people all have the the um issues where it's just like people judge you by first impressions like they see you and they're like, "Oh, forget it." Like they just, you know, they got a a, a 500 credit score. It's just kind of like we're going to have to work too hard to try and get them in here. They ain't got no money. They ain't got no this. And it's just like then you you go back and you start running the numbers and then they whole entire demeanor changes towards you because mm-hmm. what they thought you was what they thought you had, you that's not what you got. So it's just kind of like you have more and you have proven mm-hmm. yourself to be more trustworthy. And so it's just kind of like, dang, you know, wow. You know, it's like that that's sometimes a good feeling. It's always a good yeah. feeling to kind of know that people, you know, will change their demeanors. Like, oh, oh, you looking at me differently now? Oh, now I'm yeah. different. Yeah. <laughs> it makes me think, <laughs> what's his name? Two chains. I'm different. Yeah. So you are listening to Solid Conversations with your girl, Lady T. So today we're going to be talking with a couple ladies and we're just going to talk about how this year affected us, how this year has been, so much has been going on, so much has been happening, but we just want to summarize how we, it affected us personally. So today I have Miriam Cowens, um, who is going to be joining us. I have Jessica Lewis, and I'm going to do to Shayla Jennison. So we are going to just have a little conversation. So it's just some ladies, some lady talk. We're going to have a little bit of lady talk. And we're going to keep on dropping these nuggets so that people, you know, understand how it, how this year affected everybody individually. So my first question is going to be, how has 2020 been to you? So anybody just chime in, talk about how 2020 has been to you. So... We're going to leave it open. So who wants to start? Crickets. Who's going to start? <laughs> well, I'll start. Um, I think for me, obviously, this was a year that was 
um, unexpected. I don't think anybody could have anticipated what was going to come this year. Mm -hmm. um, at the start of the pandemic, I would say that um, I think I had a hard time transitioning like from work to home. Um, and the reason why the transition was difficult for me is because everything was happening at home. Like I was working from home. Um, home is where I was doing my business, but home is also where I was relaxing too. But there was no work home life balance because everything was happening in the same four walls. And so I think I really had a hard time adjusting to that. And it took me a couple of months to get into a rhythm where, you know, I wasn't working around the clock and I could, um, you know, kind of separate things and, and get myself on a schedule so that I wasn't like working myself to death. Um, and really taking care of like my mental state, my mental well-being, um, and prioritizing self-care. So that's how it was for me. Miriam? Okay. Um, 2020 has definitely been interesting. Um, to piggyback off of what Jessica was saying, it was definitely an adjustment um, for everyone. But one thing that it has done, it has leveled the playing field for everybody across the board. You know, like we're all kind of like in the same boat. Um, I was, you know, very fearful going into work and I had been wanting to work from home. So once the opportunity presented itself, I grabbed it. So I've actually been working from home since March 24th and it's been nonstop. Um, just working straight through. This is the first time um, in three years that I'm actually having a break. So this this break this week is absolutely wonderful and I'm just grateful for it because me personally, because of the type of work that I do, I, I needed the mental break. Um, I just needed just some time to just relax my mind and not really you know, have to focus on helping other people per se, because that's what I do all day, every day, you know? So I'm just grateful for the mental um, break, just being able to um, relax. And, you know, working from home, it has been great. I actually love it, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, so it's, it's, been, it's been good, you know? It's been good so far. Okay. So to Shayla, how has 2020 been to you? Um, <laughs> that is a great question. I would say it has been quite interesting. Um, so my perspective is a little bit different just because um, the whole pandemic, it kind of shook up my house just a little bit. Um, I do have children in school, so... Um, and my job considered me an essential worker, even though I didn't think I was that essential. So I'm just <laughs> trying to juggle um, working from home. and then having to go into the building two times a week. Also having to adjust my schedule to where I'm able to still teach my children in the morning. Um, they did have a period where they were going into the classroom. And then it was just so much confusion behind hybrid learning, remote learning. It's, uh, it's been a little interesting. So that's my word. <laughs> it's been real interesting. Okay. I think that's kind of like the general consensus is that 2020 has been, if you didn't know how to jump um, or how to shuck and jive, you definitely learned shucking and jiving because there was no, no, no dull moment. 
every moment was an adventure every day was a new one and i think that even for myself personally i'm you know it's just like this came down i think march the 14th between the 11th and the 14th and my job was like no we're done you stay home stay home like i can't stay here like i do not i'm not a home person i working from home i really dreaded it it was the most horrific experience in my life i have not been interactive with my clients i love i think that you know the type of work in which i do i enjoy you know just the interactions you know seeing i think the type of work in which I do sometimes put and laying your eyes on people is essential because people can tell you that they're okay over the phone, but it's, it, but they're crying inside. And I think that sometimes you, you cannot see that cry inside until you're looking at them. Like I'm okay. I'm, I'm okay. But you, you can see there, they just want to burst in tears. So I think that has made the job difficult because you've had to trust what it is that people are saying and sometimes you know it's just kind of like especially dealing with people with mental health you know it's not you can't trust what they're saying so i think yes the general word we'll say is it has been an interesting year so with interesting i like some of the things in which you guys what you ladies said and that was the transition it you know you talked about transitioning you know, your personal space and then self-care. Um, this has leveled the playing field and then the children and education and how this affected people with children. So self-care, what are you ladies doing for self-care? What are you doing for self-care? It's funny because I promise you since last year, self-care has been the biggest thing that has been going around and every time that question is asked I always realize I do absolutely nothing I whether it's people say well take it five minutes here and I don't I, I feel like I can't do that so um to be honest I have done nothing maybe you know an extra five minutes in the car coming home from work take the long way home um that's about as much self-care as I get, but I have not done any at all. So do you feel as though this kind of blurred the lines for you? Like having to, everything being thrown in your safe space. Cause I think that sometimes when we talk about home, home is our safe space. Home is our, that's where we kind of, that's where we can breathe. Like you, so much can happen to you at work. So much can happen to you out in the streets. But when you come home, that's your safe space. So now the job has invaded. The edge, the school has invaded. Everything is invaded. That's why we end up with all of these Zooms where parents are butt naked because that's their freedom on Zooms with their children. You know, these are the things in which, you know, now you're invading my space. Like, and the boy, I remember one one of the videos where the son is just looking crazy. He's like, he's just like peering off to the left, like, lady, what are you doing? But this this um this technology now that we're using, such as Zoom, is now invading our personal space. And so there's no line. So do you feel as though that is that it has blurred the lines and has caused you to not um not be able to have that um self-care absolutely just because 
like self-care for me right now would be <laughs> staying up when everybody go to bed, but then I don't get enough sleep. So then the next day I'm not that great. Um, so absolutely, it's it's because, you know, you come home and you got a thousand things thrown at you when you raising kids and you trying to make sure everybody ate and everybody's schoolwork done. Plus you got to deal with stuff from work, your work phone going off like crazy. So yeah, there's no, the only real time you have is when everything is quiet and sometimes that's not till midnight, one o'clock in the morning. And it's like, um, yeah, the, the day is over. <laughs> so sometimes you feel like you've accomplished nothing because so much has been thrown at you. It's like, how do you even prioritize that when everything is in the house? So kind of like, and I want everybody kind of, you know, um, Jessica and Miriam to kind of just chime in, but to Shayla, like you are, you are a mom, you are a wife. And so that it's just kind of like, has that self-care for you and your husband been affected by all of this as well? Yep, but he'll be all right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, that's what I'm saying. Priorities. But it's like, sometimes you just got to understand, like, we both were tech, quote unquote, essential workers. So we both had, are still going to work and been working since March. Mm-hmm. So that, that quality time is probably the five minutes while he's getting ready. Cause you know, he working overnight. So that means he sleeps during the day while I'm with the kids. And so you just got to make it work. And that's what a lot of families have been faced with was having to make it work. So Jess or Miriam, you know, kind of just chime in to say, you know, how is it really, how is self-care? Have you been able to take time for self-care? Cause I know Miriam said that this, you know, you're off this time and this is the time that you're trying to get yourself together. But, you know, what are some things that either one of you have had to do or been able to do to kind of do some self-care? Um, for me, I've, um, I've taken mental health days, Mm -hmm. um, especially in the beginning of the pandemic. Um, like my, my job is very stressful. And Mm -hmm. for those that don't know, I work for, um, Rochester Regional Health and, um, in the communication center, call center. And I take multiple, um, I take calls of patients from multiple doctor's offices. So it's a very challenging job in the fact that dealing with patients, you can sometimes have to be their therapist. Um, you have to lend, you know, a listening ear. You're taking all of their requests, all of their questions. They're mad and upset about their paperwork not being done or medication not being called in a timely fashion. And sometimes they're cussing you out, calling every, calling you everything but a child of God. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so ha- constantly hearing that all day, mm-hmm. every day, eight hours a day, that can weigh on you mentally and emotionally. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'll be very honest. There were some times where I would just... I mean, almost lose it. I really felt like I was like losing my own mind. And, you know, my sister Pam uh, would be standing there looking at me and I'm like in tears because I'm like, I just felt like my head was going to explode. I'm like, God, like, I can't do this. I need a break. And so I would take mental health days just to clear my mind, rest my mind, relax my mind, um, and just step away and, and take a break because it's, it's challenging and it's a lot. Um, and I too am considered an essential worker. 
Um, so, you know, being able to have those, um, those mental days or COVID hours as they were labeling them at one point in time has really, really helped me. Um, outside of work, you know, I am, you know, doing some reading. Um, I always listen to music and sometimes I just don't do anything. Like as soon as I get off the phone, I log off the computer, shut everything down and I just go find me a corner in the living room or in my bedroom and I just stay there and I don't say nothing for at least an hour. Just quietness to quiet my mind and my spirit and, you know, recap from the day. Um, and that's, I mean, that's basically it. Like I, you know, see my nails, love to get my nails done. It's something that <laughs> makes me happy. <laughs> One of my guilty pleasures is what I do. Love my nails. Yes. Um, so that helps too. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so that's it. Lou? I mean, Jessica? Uh, for <laughs> me, I, I find solitude in the shower. That is probably the only place where I like literally relax and I'm not rushing and going a thousand miles per hour. Um, I have a friend, her name is Joy and she like has brunches and lady, you know, get togethers and stuff. And one time she was asking everybody a question kind of similar to this around like self care and what do you do for yourself and how do you make yourself feel loved? And I literally didn't have an answer. And as I was listening to everyone go around share their respective answers it came to me i'm like oh i like um shower gels that get very sudsy right like that just relaxes me it, it calms me um and during the summer i do like to be outdoors so i will do a lot of walking around my neighborhood you know living in the 19th ward go down Genesee park boulevard um on nicer days like bring my laptop outside, work on the porch, try to get a change of scenery, you know, just to uh, break up the monotony a little bit. Like you said, uh, you know, everything is invading your home space because everything is mm -hmm. happening at home. Mm -hmm. um, so just trying to get outdoors, you know, as much as I can. In the winter, like if it's above 50, I'll still try to get out just because I know like, I just need that space away just to clear my mind. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is always something so good to make sure that we always, because um, I know that one, one of the things that you first said it, it, um, in the beginning was you really didn't know what was your relaxing, like what, what helps me to relax. And sometimes I think that as women, because we're all women, I think that as women, we sometimes, you know, with, especially if you have children, families, life, work, all of those things going on all at the same time, you forget what makes you like what is calming to you. I think that sometimes you get lost in the sauce of everything that's going on. And then, you know, it's just kind of like, you're just going along and you don't remember that this is, you know, these are the things that you enjoy doing. Like, and I think that one of the things that the pandemic has done is that it has caused us to the connection. Sometimes it's like, just like you said, going to a friend's for a social, a woman's social or a woman's gathering or, you know, hanging out with friends just to sit around and, you know, talk about the week and enjoy each other's company. And I think, you know, the pandemic has kind of made that be on a roller coaster where at one point in time, we couldn't, we couldn't interact with each other. Then we're up, then we're down, then we're, we can, then we can't. And so it's just been this emotional roller coaster of things that you can and cannot do. And so one of the other questions that I had um, was 
after, you know, I think that, um, what do you think about media? How has media impacted your way of living? And not say, I mean, I think more so media and the information that they're giving and what they're putting out in the streets and what they're telling people and uh, about the pandemic and how, you know, we got, kind of got all this turmoil and things going on. How has, is everybody watching the news? Is everybody paying attention to the news or, you know, are some people turning off, turning on? Cause I completely turn off unless it's something that I necessarily, somebody asks me a question and then I might go look it up, but I just completely turn off from the news. So what are you doing as far as the news is concerned to kind of stay abreast to what's going on? Anybody, somebody, scream. Um, well, it's a mixture. Um, sometimes I have it on, sometimes I have it off. In the beginning, I used to, we used to listen to the news all the time. Now it's like, I, like, I can't do it. Like, I can't do it. For my own peace of mind and sanity, I'm like, yeah, no. Mm -hmm. um, if I feel the need to, you know, turn on the local or the world news, I'll do so. But even if, the crazy part is, even if you don't use that, their social media. That's right. So you're, you're going to get the news one way or another. <laughs> you know what I mean? You can't escape it. it. It's just, it's right in front of you. It's in your face. Like, you can't, you can't run from it. Um, but I, I do try and limit what I hear and what I listen to and what I watch because it's just too much. It's too much. And then you have, um, conflicting stories, information. conflicting information. Mm -hmm. Like you got one, and this is just in general, COVID has made it a million times worse. Like just with different news stations, you hear things differently. You know, even on social media, you hear things differently. And it's like, okay, well, who got the truth? Who, who's delivering it the right way, in the right way? So it's like, okay, you know what? I'll get what I need to get. If there's something else, I, I, I'll catch it later. I'll, I'll find out via social media or word of mouth, talking to one of my friends or family members or, or whatever the case may be. But, like, you have to balance that because you can't. And, and more and more people are starting to realize that. Mm -hmm. I think now more than ever, like, do limit the information that you take in. Ooh. Like, you have to, just for your own peace of mind and sanity, because it's a lot. It's a lot of information to absorb. And it's like, every time you think, okay, this is it. This is the right thing. And now we're back with our special guest, April McLeod, and we're just talking about finances and how finances and how we work and how it works with us and how we relate to it. And uh, when we left out, we was talking about how, you know, the finance, your credit score can make you, um, can pick, change people's views of you because they feel as though you're a trustworthy person, person with um, a higher credit score. So with that being said, it's just kind of like, I really wanted to, to get in on, you know, the um, improving that credit score. So ways to improve that credit score. So basically, um, you know, what do you have some, what are some good tips on how to, you know, improve a person's credit score? Um, well, I would say make your payment on time every month, no exception. <clears throat> um, and 
like one thing I do, I have a credit card that I signed up for that I told myself in advance I wasn't going to actually incur any debt on it. And so what I do with it, I take things that I'm going to spend money on anyways. I pay it on that card and then I transfer the money from my checking account to pay it back off. So I don't keep, I don't hold a balance and I'm using it. So it's, you know, revolving credit and it shows that you're making, you're spending it and you're making payments in a timely, you're not carrying a large debt. So like if you're going to, whatever you budgeted for your gas money uh, for the week or for the month, put it on that card, transfer the money from your savings, pay it right off. So you spent what you were going to spend, nothing extra. And you still showing that you're using revolving credit on that credit card and you're paying it off on time every month and that those on-time payments do actually help your credit score. Um, <clears throat> uh, another thing um, I try to do is not hold um, cards that I have a balance on with a high balance for a long time. So I'll take the cards, you know, say you have three credit cards. You can look all right on your statement and see what your interest rate is. Look at your three interest rates on the statements. And, you know, you can look at the one that has the highest interest rate and say, you know what, I'm going to try to get this one paid off. Because that one right there might save me the most money interest-wise in the long run. So I'm going to, instead of just making the minimum payment, I'm going to put something extra with it. I'm going to focus every month on putting extra payments on that card until it's paid. And then once that card is paid, then you go to the next one with the next highest interest rate and just continue to, you know, work like that and re reduce your amount of debt that you have. Okay. So going back to revolving credit score, because um, when you when you're doing when you're doing particularly that type of method, the what you're saying is like, so do you use the card more than once? a month like is it something you use on a regular basis and then if you have the money for it and then you just you're paying it off immediately um do you, is that what you're saying like if you use it if you getting gas this week but then you get gas in a couple more days like you know each time you get gas or just once i don't think it matters i don't think it matters how many times throughout the month you're using it just that you're you're using it and you're paying the balance by the time it's due mm -hmm. and that you're not, you know, holding a lot of debt on it. Okay. Because I know that I've heard like with um, credit card, how to play the credit card game. Cause that's, that's kind of like you're paying. <laughs> it's a credit card game to kind of, it will boost your credit score. Um, but you have to, mm -hmm. it's a, it's a numbers game. So you have your mm -hmm. due date and your billing date. Mm -hmm. And just mm -hmm. as long as you do not, between the two dates, how much time you have to get it in in between those two dates, knowing mm -hmm. that you're paying it off prior to the due date. So even though your mm -hmm. billing, like your billing cycle could end in the like in between the due date and the date time. So mm -hmm. for it to count, it has to be within your billing date as well. So that's always something, you know, that someone really, you know, kind of made brought to my attention about paying attention to is that knowing your two dates, whether or not it's your billing cycle, your billing cycle and your due date are two different dates. And knowing mm -hmm. what your billing yeah. date is, because once the billing cycle ends, then you're the next thing that's coming up is your due date. 
And then if you have it accounted for in your billing cycle that you use the card, mm-hmm. but then it's paid off before the due date, then that's what boosts you up a little bit higher because they they mm-hmm. they accounted for it, but then it's already paid off. Yeah. So it's just like that yeah. there's like a little trick I learned in this credit journey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I kind of do mine simultaneously. Simultaneously? So- yeah, so like when I go online, say I'll pay a, a small bill, like my, um, I still have a home phone. I know a lot of people don't have a home phone. I still have a home phone, <laughs> landline. <laughs> so I'll go online and I'll pay that with um, that card. Mm-hmm. And once I log out, I log right into my bank account and I transfer the money immediately. Okay. So I, I do it at the same time. I don't even wait for, you know, I, I, mine is done same day. Okay. So um, okay. by the time that, um, you know, uh, billing date, and in and uh, due date comes, there's no there's no balance because <laughs> right. I've already you know paid them off. Um, so okay, so that's the mortgage, that's the credit card um, uh, pay down type of situation. So what about the mortgages? Mm-hmm. Sometimes you have people with mortgages or well, um, go ahead. I would say that if you have a mortgage, you should try to, if you can at all. Try to pay extra on the on the um, principal. Mm-hmm. So usually to do that, you need to talk to the mortgage company and make sure that you don't have a prepayment penalty. You know that you can pay additional without being penalized, and that's usually established before you even purchase the house. Um, you know so that you can make additional payments on the principal, and you know you get those in, and that even that little bit, you know, I've heard that even just one extra payment um per year um you know will help to bring the interest rate down as to how much you're paying and help you to pay the house off sooner so the particular mortgage company that i had i ended up they had a, a program that you could sign up with an excel mortgage accelerator company mm-hmm. so i went through the mortgage accelerator company and so instead of them taking up the one payment a month they would take out a payment every monday um and they would, you know, whatever your mortgage was, it would be, you know, divided into four. But then I also paid additional. I paid a, actually a couple hundred extra dollars on my mortgage every single month. And I didn't start the loan doing this, but within about um, five years of buying the house, I started paying extra on the principal every month. And I did this for X amount of years. And I'm telling you, by doing something like that, you can cut off 10 years off your mortgage. They, you sign up for a 30 year mortgage, right. For, you know, for you to have your payment so that it's doable and affordable, but you can pay it off as early as you want, as long as you don't have a prepayment penalty. Um, and so that's something that I did for a number of years, made extra payments. And then I finally got myself into a position where I could take the balance that was on my house and pay it off in full. And so I ended up paying my house off earlier this year. Um, about four and a half years early. How many? How many years? Fourteen early? and a half. Fourteen. Fourteen and a half. I bought my house in two thousand five, and the mortgage was paid up in full earlier this year. Don't have a mortgage. <laughs> wow. wow. <laughs> Wow. That's that brings us right back to that exercise and discipline because 
you have to really be exercising some discipline to kind of get yourself to the point where you pay your mortgage off 14 Mm -hmm. years early. Yeah. 14. Yeah. That's a, that's a whole child. (laughs) That's a whole grown child. That's a whole grown child right there. 14. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. So, you know, congratulations. Thank you. Like you you should really teach that class. Like, (laughs) let's pay your mortgage off early. (laughs) Like, that's it. No more. You don't got to put no more words to it. Let's pay your mortgage off early. Like, but that, but that goes back to, you know, your, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm going to say anybody that doesn't have a mortgage and they're paying rent, I encourage you to look into home ownership because it doesn't matter how long you stay at this apartment or this half a house or whole house that you're renting, you'll never pay it off. Mm-hmm. You'll be paying on it forever. You know, mm-hmm. doesn't matter whether the owner has the mortgage or not, you're still going to pay them. Mm-hmm. But if you are into your own home, mm-hmm. you can pay it off and be without a mortgage. Mm-hmm. And then you pay your taxes and insurances. Mm-hmm. And and I do, I like some of these new programs. I'm kind of looking into some of these new programs that they have coming out in the city of Rochester um, for home mm-hmm. buyers and things of that nature. And I think um, that's another whole nother topic to kind of get in on um, in regards to, mm-hmm. um, you know, dealing with your finances and things of that nature. And I think that, you know, people getting to that place or getting to that point where they are, um, they are really getting ready to, um, uh, prepare for that journey because that's, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother, um, monster in itself. You know, it's like you start with the credit and then once you start getting that credit, you know, under control and going, then now here we go into the big, the big, you know, the big draws, the big, you know, now you're doing Mm -hmm. big things when you're doing talking about a mortgage and taking on a mortgage. And I think, you know, this is like some people do want to do home ownership and some people, you know, some people Mm -hmm. just say that, you know, that's not my, that's not my direction that I want to go in. And so, you know, kudos to some people. And, you know, if that's not where you want to go, you know, respectfully respect. But if Mm -hmm. that is something that you really want to go into, because, yeah. You think about it, the the price of the house, like I think about sometimes people are in these houses paying over a thousand dollars in rent when the house yeah. is not even worth sixty thousand. And if you had mm-hmm. a sixty thousand dollar mortgage, you would only be paying yeah. how much would you think somebody would be paying even at a high interest rate? How much do you think they would be paying for what was in a mortgage? Sixty thousand. Sixty thousand dollars. Oh. a month. Right. So, so if you, if you, if you have a $60,000 mortgage, you're paying half of what it is that you're paying for that same exact house right now. Just think about that. That's now, now that's money that you have to save Mm -hmm. to go Mm -hmm. back into it. So now you, even if you pay in a thousand dollar rent, you could pay like seven hundred dollars mm-hmm. mortgage and still be in a good space place, be yeah. in a good place in your life. Yeah. So you know, it's just kind of like I think. Right. I don't know if people really um, put it to them like that, or put you know make that proposition sometimes, or make it mm-hmm. known to people that that's what they yeah. can look at it or look how they should look at it. 
but that's always an mm-hmm. option. And there's so many different programs out here that um, homeownership yeah. programs that are, you know, really looking to connect people to get them in that direction. And so you can, mm-hmm. you can be on section eight and have a house. You can be on social services and have a house. It's you, you just need to understand what the, what, what those, what that comes with. And so, you know, once again, we go back to, you know, making sure that we're taking the money in which, you know, we're using and making and exercising discipline to make a better life for our children. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because I know people have them. They're into their, you got the sneakerheads, gaming people where those gaming systems are like expensive. And it's just kind of like, we go back to budgeting. Let's, let's, let's teach our children how to budget and think holistically. That's one of the things that I had to do because I had too many children too close together, um, growing (laughs) and things of that nature. And it's just kind of like, okay, let's talk about our finances. And that's one of the things that I did do with my children. And I think Mm -hmm. that one of the things I'll say about my children, I'll give them kudos. They have a better grasp on uh, credit and money management than, than Mm -hmm. I did at their age. So Okay. Young That's adult, good. It's just kind of like where I found where I found that I did not have that knowledge or understanding. I always, you know, once I learned something, I taught them something. And I, like I said, I feel as though they have a better grasp on money management than I did at their age, at a very uh-huh. young age. Because one of the things I had to have them do was, listen, we can't, you can't ask for something we can't afford. So let's talk right. about we got to pay this. We got to pay, you know, we'll sit down. I have these conversations. They were like eight, nine. We got to pay the more. We got to pay the rent. We got to pay our genie. We got to pay for this car. We need some gas. Everybody want to go here, there, there, there. And it's just like, no, we don't do. My children didn't get into gaming systems until they were adults, because that's when you can afford to buy it. Because it would come exactly. out. <laughs> it, it, it's not coming out of our own budget. That's not coming out of our budget. <laughs> right, so. right, right. And um, I just have a couple little suggestions mm-hmm. for who are trying to figure out where they can find some extra money in the budget. Mm, so, ooh, extra money in the budget. Go ahead. Money in the budget. Well, um, Number one, I, I know there's a lot of people who, oh, I got to leave for work early in the morning because I'm running by Starbucks. Make Starbucks at home. Ooh. Most people have a coffee pot. When you, you know, are making your weekly grocery run, pick up some creamers that you enjoy and make your coffee at home. Oh, you don't step on the Bring it with toes. you Ooh. in your tumbler and you will save so much money. Because that $5 a day drink at Starbucks, seven days a week, is $35, which is $140 a month. You just going to step on people's toes like that? Ah, I'm putting it out there. Oh, my God. I mean, you said discipline. Or, you know, let's just say cut down. Let's start with cutting down. If you can't go cold turkey. Mm-hmm. Treat yourself to one on pay payday because you worked all week. Mm-hmm. Treat, treat yourself to one on, on payday because you worked all week. You know, it's a treat. 
It shouldn't be an everyday occurrence. If you have it like that, that's fine. But when you're trying to find extra money in the budget, you got to take away all those treats. You don't earn a treat every day. You don't earn a treat every day. No. Get your treat on Friday. Okay. <laughs> and during the week, make coffee at home. My daughter, Raina, she loves her some iced coffee. And I said, oh, okay. Well, make iced coffee at home. So she'll buy the stuff and she'll make iced coffee at home. Or if she doesn't have the, you know, the money to go buy her iced, uh, pre-made iced coffees at the store so she can go home and make them. I said, okay, well then go old school and make coffee and put it in the refrigerator and tomorrow it would be iced. <laughs> you know? That's one thing. <laughs> <laughs> Buy groceries. Cook at home. You shouldn't be going out to dinner two or three times a week when your budget is tight. Go, go to the grocery store. Buy groceries. Go home and cook them. And then bring a sandwich or a salad to work tomorrow for lunch so you don't have to go out for lunch. You know, you like a, a morning smoothie at work or, or from Starbucks or McDonald's or wherever you go, buy a blender, make the one-time purchase of the blender mm -hmm. and buy your fruits and veggies from the grocery store. Or if you have time, go to the public market. Fruits mm. and veggies are even cheaper at the public market. Yeah. Make your smoothies at home. I do these things. I'm not just telling you stuff that I don't do. If I want these things, I, I, I'll do those things. I have a blender and I have a coffee maker. I'll do these things at home. Not that I can't afford it. I can afford it, but I choose not to. I'd rather put that $140 a month into my savings account and maybe use it towards a vacation mm. or some other expense that is more important than a couple cups of coffee. Mm. <clears throat> so, um, one thing I do is I have multiple bank accounts. <laughs> um, my main bank that I've had since I was 18 years old, that's my longevity, that's my credit history. Um, that's where that, you know, that's what that bank account is for. That's where my checks get deposited. That's where I pay my bills out of. But I have other banks as well. So I might have one bank where I just put birthday money in throughout the year. So that when these individuals' birthdays come up, the money's already there that I said that I was going to put aside. And with this not being attached to your main bank, I'm not talking about have a, oh, I'm going to add an extra savings account on my account. Because no, because when you log into your main bank, you can see money. Your eyes get big. <laughs> and you think you have more money to spend. But if you put it at a separate bank, you can't see it. And it's out of sight, out of mind. Mm. So you can have your your Christmas account, your vac vacation account, your birthday account, and whatever account you want, whatever other account you need. But that money is at different banks. And you can't see it on a regular basis. And I take the money that I'm putting into those banks and I transfer it from my main account. So I still don't even look at those and see what the balances are. That's forgotten money. I only have to access them when I need to. Mm. So that is um, a suggestion that I have. Um, but make sure that you're getting those other bank accounts, you know, ones that don't have monthly fees or anything like that. So you don't want to pay anything to open those accounts. You want it just to be like a free savings account or something that you don't have to pay a monthly fee on. 
And I do have multiple bank accounts. So I'm not just saying this, but I actually do have multiple bank accounts. Um, and the last thing is something that you just said a, a few minutes ago. Spread the knowledge. The information that you're learning by talking to somebody else, share it with the next person. Now that you've learned some new things, take that information and share it with somebody else. Definitely, definitely. And that's a good way to kind of wrap everything up is like, you know, that's that was the purpose because you and I were having an, an awesome conversation one day. And, you know, it was just kind of, I don't even know how we ended up talking about finances. Like we just started talking about finances and it was just like, um, it was just like, what? Like, oh my goodness. I, I kind of, I think I, cause I saw your car and I was like, dang. And we was talking about, and it was just like, wow, that's awesome for you to have been able to go there and to, um, be able to, uh, decide on what, how they were going to treat you in the beginning, mm -hmm. you know, based off of either a good credit score and you having your finances in order and ready to just, you know, I'm going um, to the to the car dealership and this is what I have. So can I get this car? Because I'm going to let me test drive it and see if that's what I want. Um, mm -hmm. And then, you know, being able to make those sound decisions and choices for um, uh, for yourself going forward. And I think that. Um, uh, that's always that, that, that's something it was just kind of like, I was in awe because, you know, sometimes you go into the car dealership and that's like always, a um, an intimidating situation, especially for a woman and especially mm -hmm. for a black person. It's like, that's, that can be sometimes intimidating if you've mm -hmm. never had a really good experience prior. Mm -hmm. Right. And those things, sometimes those, because of your credit, because of, you know, whether or not you have the finances to do it. And it's just like, I just need something. And now, mm -hmm. um, now you, um, you're here at a different place and I'm not at the same spot that I was before. And now I've grown, mm -hmm. I've been able to elevate myself to a different level of, mm -hmm. um, you know, now that I've elevated myself in a different level um, now I can go in with a different um, mindset or a different, um, you know, mind frame. But I want to thank you very much for those great tidbits. And, you know, if you're always, if you're ever looking for the money um, that you need to kind of um, to, to do what it is that you do, you know, let's think about, you know, making the sacrifices of not always eating out or not um, that special cup of coffee or something of that nature that you get from Starbucks. Um, and then, you know, having mm -hmm. those separate accounts so that you can spread out your money and there's different places. And sometimes like with me, I forgot, dang, I forgot I even have that account over there. And it's just kind of like, then you go back to it and you find yourself with a couple thousand dollars and you're like, whoa, you know, I really did. You know, sometimes that's a good yeah. feeling. That's always a good feeling. And the, the main thing that, that you you yeah. said to us this evening was exercise discipline. Exercise and discipline mm -hmm. is the, the number one thing you have to start with. Exercise and discipline, because sometimes with money, this, we are not very disciplined when it comes to our finances. And just because we have it, mm -hmm. we spend it. And mm -hmm. so I just want to thank you for your time. Thank you for joining us on Solid Conversations. Um, this is going to be a continued conversation because um, we're going to have to come back for part two 
to um, kind of cover some other things that you talked about as far as once we get to the personal, once we get to a good level of personal finances, now how do we take that and start doing different other things such as investing and such as, you know, making our money work for, you know, make it, let, allowing our money to work for us. Even talking about residual yeah. incomes and, you know, those things that we can do to kind of set us on a path of where we're not working as hard and that we kind of, um, you know, the money is really working for us and kind of, and it kind of ties into all of some of the other topics we've had where we talked about black businesses and where people have started businesses to kind of, you know, because they, they found mm-hmm. something different that they were passionate about. And, mm-hmm. um, that's something you've started, you started a yep. business. So, and yes. what's the name of your business? Called embrace you. Embrace you. And so yep. what is your business about? Um, well, it's about, you know, self-love and, you know, putting yourself, choosing yourself, mm-hmm. you know, um, I make waist beads mm-hmm. that women wear, mm-hmm. um, sort of like an adornment on waist. And I also am very passionate about candles. Mm-hmm. I love, love candles, yes. candles burning most yes. days in most rooms. All at one time, <laughs> and frequently hit up the Bath and Body Works sales when they have them. Mm-hmm. But I've now uh, gotten to a position where I can make them and sell them for myself mm-hmm. um, because I, I just love them so much, and I feel like everybody should have candles at home. <laughs> it just sets the mood and sets the ambience in the house, and it just Ooh. it's so so relaxed. Yes, like Embrace. like like you say the ambiance. Like people just like yes, I love a good ambiance with a good smell. It. Mm. So yes, I and I have too <laughs> participated in your business and and gotten your candles, which smell awesome. You have some really excellent scents. So I do, you know, can't talk about. I, I'm not going to talk about something that I don't know anything about. So yes, your candles are awesome. I love them. <laughs> So, yes. So I want to thank you very much for taking the time out to talk with Lady T here on Solid Conversations. I hope that you do um, have the, take the opportunity to come back and talk with us and share a little bit more of your tidbits and knowledge and understanding. Um, and, you know, I appreciate and thank you for your time. So we want to thank uh, you. Thank you. Yes. Mm-hmm. So thank you for this. So thank you for taking the time out to speak with um solid com- with me lady t on solid conversations where you um just kind of finding solutions for where you are right now so we want to thank you and have a great evening thank you you too